Good morning. Welcome to worship. Glad you're all here with us today and hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, we had a wonderful one as well. A few announcements before we get started. In your bulletins is a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, please fill that out and put it in the offering plate as it goes by. On the other side, the yellow side, is a place for prayer requests. We encourage you to share any requests you may have. We'll pray with you on Tuesdays during our staff time. A few announcements this week as we come back from Thanksgiving. Remind you, give you a quick update on Tim. A lot of people are asking about Tim. I think on all fronts he's doing great. Uh, I have not talked to him since Thanksgiving Day, but surgery was successful, if you've not heard. And he's resting well and is only taking a leave. So I think that's a, that's a good sign. He's off the more serious pain medication. So continue to pray. And I would guess he will be here next Sunday, but I will play it by ear and we'll see how the Lord leads in that. Uh, tonight, remember, at 5 o'clock, we have our encounter service right here in the sanctuary. RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, Children Choirs over in the FLC. And then Ensemble at 6, Youth, Handbells, all meeting tonight as well. Wednesday, we have lasagna for our Wednesday night supper, so make sure you sign up for that. As well as our Connect groups are back on for this week, as well as Awanas and Youth Group. The budget discussion is Wednesday night as well along with some choir rehearsals, so I'll remind you of that. Uh, you're doing a great job on the homeless supplies, so remember our biggest needs are adult-sized gloves, stocking caps, and socks, so continue to give. There's a tub here and a tub in the FLC, and then if you have backpacks, those are certainly the other big item. We're trying to collect 100 backpacks, and then in mid-December, I think the 16th, we are going to personally minister to the homeless in downtown Richmond. The backpacks will have hats, gloves, socks, lunches, Bibles, and we will pray and visit with them. So the the things you give will go personally from our young people to be in the hands of those who are in need. So thank you for giving and continue to do so. Some people asked about non-perishable food items, canned meat and Vienna sausages, things like that are great if you'd like to add that to your list. If you've already done hats, gloves, and socks, that would be accepted as well. Thank you. Um... Other announcements? I think that's about all I have. Anyway, thank you again, and it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord together. pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we are gathered here this day to listen to you, to open your word, to praise your holy name, and to give you the honor and glory that you deserve, Jesus. God, we thank you for um, all of life, and we do pray that this day your Holy Spirit would be here with us amongst us, and that you would focus our hearts and our lives on what you are doing. God, I I give praise to the opportunity we have to gather. I give praise that you are going to make yourself known 
in this place and that we, as your people, will be changed. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Isn't it wonderful how great our God is? So we're going to sing about his mighty power. If you'll please stand. It says in your hymnal, page 49. Uh, Those of you who are musical, we're following the music on page 48, but it's the same words. So please stand, page 49. I sing the mighty power of God. Let's sing it like we mean it. Responsive reading. Turn in your hymnals to page 851. And the number two will be our responsive reading for this day, titled God is Exalted. I will read the lighter portion with the worship leader. Uh, Leslie will read the darker portion as well as I'll read along with the men, and she will read along with the women. The Lord lives. May my rock be praised. The God of my salvation is exalted. Be exalted, Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your might. Proclaim with me the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I will praise you in the great congregation. I will exalt you among many people. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from afar. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted above all the gods. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. I I exalt you, my my God, the King, and and praise your name forever forever and and ever. And let's remain standing as we continue praising Jesus this morning. We're going to sing Holy, 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 which is page 68. Holy, Holy, Holy.
I'll have our prayer then. <laughs> let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are just so thankful to be in your presence today. And we're grateful, Lord, that you are mighty, you are holy, and you are great. And we ask, Lord, that you would take these tithes and these offerings that we bring to you and that you would use these things in order to further your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are gathered here after being mindful of 
what Thanksgiving is. May we come to you as people in gratitude. We're grateful for the opportunities we've had to gather together in families and with loved ones and to celebrate that holiday. And God, may it move us to a place where each and every day we live in, in the depth of your great love for us. God, we lift up the concerns of those amongst us. We pray for those unspoken requests. We pray for those who are sick, those who are hurting, those who are in the hospital. God, we pray you have your way in each of those situations. We, that you have your way to make your presence known and that we can bring you praise and glory for all things. God, we lift up situations around our world, specifically the shootings in Egypt and those uh, who have been killed for their faith, those Christians who have also been killed for their faith. God, we pray that we as Christ followers can be a light and an example in the midst of such difficulties. May you compel us how we can minister and how we can love and how we can reach and how we can serve to extend the great name of Jesus to those who need to hear. God, we give you this hour. We thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you that as we look to you in what you have for us, that we would be touched by your Holy Spirit and that you would be glorified. We look forward to how you speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, uh, I was... I was, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I told Tim, anytime he needs someone to fill in, I'm always glad to do it. And he's like, well, do you have a sermon in your back pocket just in case? I was like, I have many sermons in my back pocket, so not a problem. He comes into my office, I believe it was last week, and you know, Tim, he was a little concerned about his surgery. And when we first got word of the surgery, he says, I'm going to need you to preach. Is that okay? I said, okay, that's great. And then he kind of darted out like he sometimes does. And then about 20 minutes later, Jean comes in, our, our uh, sec- secretary, and she says, Dwight, I need your sermon title. It was like 20 minutes. And I was like, whoa, I just got word I was going to preach. And so I was like, can you give me the lunch break at least? So I go out into the car and I drive around. I'm thinking, okay, I've got to come up with a sermon over, over lunch. And I thought, I thought you know, this is, this is the week following Thanksgiving. So how could we move beyond Thanksgiving and, and keep that idea. So, so the idea of the clay pots and the glory of God and, and gratitude kind of leapt at. So I came back in, thought how I could work that into a title, put that together, and, and then had the uh, realization that now I have to I make this into a sermon. So uh, it's been a blessing and a joy. And I think as God has shared his truth with me, I think you'll be encouraged with what he does through uh, this passage. And that's something that we get at so clearly is that, boy, if we just read this passage, God would speak and God would move. And this word that he gives is so important that we understand that the life that God gives comes from his word, not from a person. It comes from his word. And so we're going to trust God as we read his word and share his truths. I'll go ahead and read starting in verse 7 all the way through verse 18 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to follow along for this great passage. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
but through but though our outer man is decaying our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal and may god add his blessing on the reading of his word let me pray god i pray that you uh, move me aside and have your truth come forward as we share this great passage. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get into this message, three things I want to accomplish as we get through this. Number one is I want, to, I want us to see that the power of God exists inside ordinary clay pots like you and I. The power of God exists inside the ordinary clay pots of you and I. Number two The reason his power is within us is for the glory of God. That's the second thing we have to see. There's a reason we have the power of God. It's for his glory. Number three, we need to allow God's truth to move us beyond just gratitude. We're going to see, I hope, a big difference between a polite thank you, a thanksgiving, and gratitude and what gratitude really should be. And I hope we can accomplish that. God can accomplish that through this passage. In 2 Corinthians, this chapter gives us, I think, one of the clearest passages in Scripture to declare the process by which the power of God is released among people. We long for, we pray for, we hope for the power of God to be released in us. We want God to move in incredible ways amongst us, but I'm increasingly concerned that Christians here, as in other places, fail to understand the true power of Christ in us. We're surrounded by evidence of decay in society and corruption and hurt and darkness and despair. And I think a lot of times Christians are at the point where I wonder if God can do anything. We kind of throw our hands up in the air and we say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe the darkness is going to win. And that is not true. That is not what the Bible teaches. The good news is the power of God within us is enough. Christ in us, the hope of glory, will be victorious. Christians are salt of the earth and we're called to shine the light in the darkness. And his power is within us. The background of these verses, verses 1 through 6, are really important to see. Paul is encouraging Christians to not give up, to not lose heart. One of my favorite things, my grandpa was in a nursing home. My grandpa wrote the strangest letters you'd ever seen. I could never understand him. He'd write around the pages, and they'd be all over. And he would send bizarre pictures of strange things to me. One day I was in uh, a dark place in life, and he sent a picture. And on top it said, don't ever give up. And the picture was of a stork with a frog in its mouth, and the frog was grasping the stork around the neck. And it said, don't ever give up. I held on to that. I scanned it. I keep it. No matter how hard things are, you cannot give up. And there's a great reason for that. Paul is telling us in this passage, do not give up. Do not lose heart, because what is powerful is hidden within us. What is powerful is veiled, the gospel is veiled to people who are perishing, but we have to come to understand this power that is inside us. And he's saying the God of this world, Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they don't see, is what he says, the light of the gospel to the glory of God in Christ, who is the image of God. So we as Christians, we as people who have Christ in us, have to be able to share and shine this light from within. So he says very clearly, don't preach yourself. God says light will shine out of darkness. And he's the one who's shown in our hearts to give us this light. So verse 7 comes this great, great truth. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in clay pots, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. The key here is he says, but... There's a, there's a lost generation. There's people who are blinded from this great light, but we cannot lose heart because we have Christ in us. 
we have a treasure in earthen vessels, clay pots, so that his greatness will be shown from God, not from ourselves. We, we have to understand God's deliberate plan is that his mighty power will be displayed through clay pots. It's not complimentary. Clay pots are the most ordinary vessel that Paul could come up with. We have to understand that in order for God's power to be magnified, we have to come to the realization that we are ordinary. And that's really tough in this culture. We're just an earthen vessel. We're ordinary. It's a beautiful way to describe us when you think about it. We're just clay pots. We're worn, we're used, but we're purposeful. And the pot isn't what people should see anyway. That's what I think is difficult in this culture, and I've seen it in so many ways. The power of the gospel falls flat because we are obsessed with the exterior. This is what we are. We are obsessed. I came in, and this is not to bash because I love it. I came in, the first thing, I was like, man, somebody snuck in here and decorated this place. It looks fantastic, doesn't it, Linda? Man, it's beautiful. It's sometimes we are so focused on the decorations that we miss the power. We're so focused on what people can do and what people look like and what talents people have and what skills people have. We just focus on the surface. And lies within is a power. When you come into this room, and you can say, this is beautiful, which it is. Or you can say, the power of God is within the people that are sitting here. That's, a, that's an amazing thing to think about. Our culture obsesses about the outside. It obsesses about appearances. It belittles the power because God's power is said to be exalted in weakness. And he uses the, and I'll put this in quotes, the seemingly ordinary to do it. We have to come to terms with, we're ordinary people. Apart from Christ, we are so ordinary. The power of God is from Christ, not us. That's the key. People should see us and be blown away that God is doing tremendous things through you and I. They should be blown away. They should be stunned. How in the world can Dwight be used? Because he's just Dwight. How in the world could you be used so greatly by God? You're just you. People should be stunned. And if they're not, it's because we're focusing on our outward gifts and our talents. I was a young person, and I thought I could do pretty much everything well. Every sport I could do well. I prided myself on that. I went bowling for the first time. My friend had a birthday, and we went bowling for the party. I never bowled. And I got there, and on the way back home, I did terrible. On the way back home, the mom says, Dwight, I thought you were good at everything. That was her little comment. And then you know what Dwight did? I got good at bowling. Because in our culture, we want to be good at something. We want to be noticed for being good. And the gospel is about people being just so surprised that God's doing great things through us. Not, well, of course Dwight's got good things going on because it's Dwight. It should be like, hey, I'm surprised. I'm stunned. Dumbfounded. How on earth does God use ordinary people? It gets to the point where we have to see the way God sees us and that our purpose in life, we are created to hold something. I like this. We are created to hold something that what we hold is the power of God himself in Jesus Christ. We contain God himself through the Holy Spirit in our lives. We hold and contain God. Think about that. I have a fear of dropping babies. It's maybe a common fear for some of you. I'm actually a pretty good holder of things. But sometimes I'm just like, you know, if it's not my kid, I'm okay to not throw a baby around. I'm okay. We have a couple babies in our family. And they're like, why don't you want to hold the baby more? I'm like, that's a valuable thing. I don't really want to be the person who's responsible. You know, if, if, if it's my kid, I'm, I'm all about it. But... The good news is this. God entrusted us with himself and his power. The most valuable thing he gave to the most ordinary group of people so that he could be exalted. The good news is this. We don't have to put on an earthly performance to have this power. It's in us. The battle is won. People are baffled because they don't get it. They, they know us, and we're so ordinary, but remarkable things continue to happen. Why? Simply because it's the power of Christ. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It comes from God and his work and his glory alone. But the passage gets so much richer here. 
because, again, we equate it to worldly things. You know, people who sing and have a beautiful voice, well, of course God uses them to bless people because they sing. Or people who can play an instrument or people who can, you know, really teach strategically or whatever it might be, our intelligence. But what happens is that isn't where the light shines most clearly. It's in a totally different way. Look what it says in verses 8 and 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not despairing. We're persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We're always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. We, live, we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. We are ordinary people who, because of this power inside us, are getting attacked in every which way. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is Christ in us being persecuted and being belittled and being uh, afflicted and being struck down. But what happens is we have Christ in us. And so when we get hit, a little crack may come in the clay pot. And through that crack shines the light of the power of God. It's an amazing and miraculous thing. It's not through your comfort. It's not through your talents. It's not through your successes. The way that the light of the gospel is proclaimed most clearly is when we're hurt. And people don't like to pray for that. Wednesday, a couple weeks ago, we were doing our Wednesday morning prayer study, and, and we were like listing things that we could be thankful for because we were preaching on that, teaching on that passage in Colossians, be alert, and prayer becomes thanksgiving. And I was like, what are you thankful for? Most of the answers wouldn't surprise you. We're thankful for our health, and we're thankful for our family, we're thankful for our homes, and we're thankful for our grandkids, and we're thankful for our lives. We didn't list, boy, I'm thankful for that really difficult week I had. I'm thankful for that person who's just really hard to deal with. We didn't list the, the, the problems we have in our health. But when we started to mention those things, we started to share, yeah, we need to be thankful for these things because perseverance comes from that. The light of the gospel comes from that. I did a little, I didn't really do it, but at Thanksgiving we had a little share what you're thankful for around the table. Who did that? A lot of people do that, all right? It started, and it was just, it was your normal list of things. It was family, and it was friends, and it was having a job, or it was, it was loved ones, it was the new babies, it was all these type of things. And what happened was nobody shared, boy, I'm really thankful that it's been a really hard year. And you know what? Around that table, there's some people who have some really hard years. I guarantee they had some hard years. But they weren't lifting those up. They were thinking Thanksgiving is about just the good things that we have. It's so sad because Paul tells us the most powerful way this hidden treasure inside us is going to be revealed is when that clay pot gets busted. That clay pot gets broken when we get hurt. Because guess what? There's a power inside us that will not keep us down. And people are like, wait a minute. They are living victorious. When that happens, what is that? It's the power of the gospel. It's a wonderful thing. Nothing can completely get to these ordinary people. We endure. And it's like that question, why won't we stay down? Because there is a power in us that the world can't see until that hardship comes and then they're blown away by it. Here's the really good news about this. We're going to have that in common. Every single one of us is going to be devastated by hardships. Look at Paul, who wrote this, devastated by hardships, marked by suffering to the glory of God. We're not all going to be rich and successful. We're not all going to be beautiful. I look at my mom. This is no offense to my mom. You look at pictures when she was 21, she was a pretty good-looking woman. It's kind of an awkward thing to say, I'll be honest. Just to think about your mom, she was a good-looking woman. She's now older. She had hip replacement surgery. She looks frail. She looks fragile. She doesn't look like she did when she was 21. She's endured a life of hardships. However, the power of God is present in her whole life. Not because of when she was young and healthy, and not because she's not as old, she's older and not as healthy, because the power is within us. And we have that in common. We're all going to get old 
We're all going to die. We're all going to suffer. That we have in common. Therefore, as Christ followers, we have that strength that is going to sustain us and be victorious and is going to compel others, you'll see, to want to know what is going on with you. So that by having, by holding, by carrying the life of Jesus, his sufferings, his death, we triumph in his power and it burns and it radiates out from us our ordinary selves. The more we're attacked, the more we're mocked, the more we're ridiculed, the more we're hurt, the more we're persecuted, the more we're struck down, the more God's power is going to come from inside us. We got to pray for that. Pray that the world attacks me, hurts me, so that that power can be seen. We've got to go there. And guess what? We rejoice in our suffering because it shines the light of Christ. Those who do not hold the power of God, non-Christians, non-believers, those who don't have it, I cannot even imagine. Because guess what? As good-looking and as talented and as intelligent as people in the world are, when they get crushed, they're broken. They're despaired. They're empty. There's no power inside them. So what we have to do is say, there's a reason. It's because Christ is not in you. That's the only thing that keeps me going, and you need to have Christ inside you. Otherwise, you're going to fall to pieces. We went camping last weekend. I have to share this. Not that I'm proud of it, but I have to share this. Grew up in Colorado. Went camping a lot in cold weather. One of the things my dad taught me when I was young, and I went all through my life to this last weekend, was we would take rocks from the fireplace, or fire, campfire, We'd wrap them in our jeans, and in the cold weather in Colorado, you put them at the bottom of your sleeping bag, and a wonderful thing happens. Your bag is warm all night long. So my wife, she has cold toes. It's not an exaggeration. One time she thought they were going to fall off when we were camping. So I told her about the rock trick. So we're standing around the fire, and we kind of realized, you know, we didn't get the rocks for the cold night, which was last Friday night. We're going to be in a tent, and, and I thought, I brought extra jeans. We're going to wrap up some rocks and some jeans. It's going to be good. We look at the campfire. They didn't really have the rocks. They just had these, like, concrete blocks. But they were warmed, and I was like, they'll have to do. So we get one for Catherine. We wrap it up. We put it in her sleeping bag. She's nice and toasty warm. We get one for Bryson. Wrap it up, put it in a sleeping bag. He's loving life. I'm getting ready to go take a shower, and I thought, you know what? Gretchen's the one who's the coldest. So I'm going to take one of these rocks, I'm going to put it right on the hot, hot coals, right? So I scoot it over into the hot coals, I go to take a shower, you know, come back, and it's nice and warm. I get that concrete, not rock, use a rock, by the way, concrete thing, and I wrap it up real tight in my jeans, and I put it in the bottom of our sleeping bag, and let me tell you, it started off, it wasn't even all that warm. You could put your foot on it. You could feel a little warmth come from the jeans. About 30 minutes later, the jeans started to get nice and toasty, and I was like, it's working to a charm. So, you know, everything's fine. We both fall asleep. And I had this habit while I was sleeping. I, like, I took my foot, and I just rested it on top of the jeans because it felt so good, you know. One time I did that, and I thought my toe was going to burn off. And I was like, what has happened here? It was not that hot an hour ago. What is going on? So I dive under the, the, the sleeping bag, grab the jeans, pull it out, and flames are coming up from my, my jeans. We're unzipping the, the, the tent. We're throwing it out. When I throw it out, the air gets fully into the jeans, and it just whoosh, flames everywhere. And I go, okay, apparently these rocks are not what you use because they're not real rocks. Gretchen panics, takes it out of Catherine's sleeping bag, even though it wasn't on the hot coals. She would have probably been fine. But she goes, you go over to Bryson's tent and get it out of his sleeping bag. I go over there, and I'm waking him up. I'm like, Bryson, I need to get you. He's like, no, it's so warm. I'm like, yeah, I need to take it. I open it up, felt it. All the heat was released, put it back in, and he's still mad at me today because he said the rest of the night he was cold. Here's what happened. and You can, you can do the math. The, the heat that was inside that stone was covered and it was covered tight and it was contained within and it grew and it grew and it grew until the power was going to be released in our sleeping bag it was not released in the right way it was fiery when i went to bryson's sleeping bag and released that energy he said there was no more heat left this is us 
if you endure hardships, the power continues to grow. If you avoid hardships, if your life is about comfort and peace and ease, your rock's never going to get hot enough for anybody else to see the power of the gospel. But when you go through life, which we will go through, and you trust in the power that is inside you to sustain you, the, the, the need we have for Christ and his hope to be within us, it's going gonna, it's gonna to radiate out. But a lot of people just don't want that in the Christian life. They don't want suffering. They don't want persecution. They don't want to be constantly delivered over to death. Verse 15 says this, For all things are for your sake, so the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. These things happen, the power of Christ within us, in the midst of hardships, so that his grace will be seen and spread to more and more people. This is how the gospel is going to be extended. We are here today in this place, not because it was an easy ride to go from the cross to Mechanicsville, Virginia. We are here because people trusted Christ. Christ started. He died on the cross for us, for our sins, and substituted himself for our sin. And then the people in whom were given this power inside these clay pots seemed very ordinary, didn't they? But they were bold and they endured hardship after hardship after death after death in horrific ways. The gospel spread to more and more people, to more and more countries, to where even after the apostles, Christ's followers suffered for Jesus, which brings the gospel to us today. The gospel wouldn't come here through peace and through prosperity. It came to us the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs. We have to see that our suffering is what is going to spread the gospel. And it's good news. The gospel is good news. Our suffering allows grace to be seen and spread to more and more people because it causes the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Hardships release the unmatched power of God in this world, and people take notice the gospel spreads. It causes something way beyond thanksgiving. And I don't want to belittle Thanksgiving in this idea. But there's a huge difference between teaching your kids to say thank you when you, know, you, you give them a plate of food. What's the polite thing to do? Thank you. Are they thankful? I don't think so. Are we to do that? Yeah. I, I, I want to teach my kids to be thankful. We go to a restaurant and a server gives us our food. I will say thank you every time. I want my family to say thank you every time. But that's polite. That's not thank you. That's polite because guess what? I'm going to be paying for the food. She's going to be getting her tip. She's going to be getting her pay. It's not an undeserved gift. There's an exchange. And so gratitude isn't seen in that. It's politeness. It's, and that's what a lot of people think thank, thinks, thinks is. It's just that polite thank you. I said thank you. I'm thankful. That's not it. Then we go to Thanksgiving. And we go around the table. And we're sharing our things we're thankful for. Guess what we're thankful for? We're thankful for our food. We're thankful for our family. We're thankful for our health. We're thankful for our friends. We're thankful for the stuff that God gives us. What grace and gratitude really, if you want to go beyond Thanksgiving, is Thanksgiving is we are indebted to God who gave us Jesus. We're we're thankful for God, not for the stuff he gives us. I wonder a lot of times if you lost your house, if you lost your family, if you lost your money, if you lost everything, would you still be a person of gratitude? Most people would not be. But gratitude is we serve a God who's given us the power, the eternal power of God inside us, so that no matter what the food tastes like, no matter what the service is like, no matter what kind of difficulties happen, I'm going to be grateful that we have a God who abounds in love, and I'm going to give all glory to him. This is what beyond gratitude is. It's like taking your eyes off the turkey and saying, man, God made, some, God made a turkey. That's awesome. God can create and do anything. God is whom all glory goes to. 
all gratitude should go straight to the glory of God. That's what we have to grasp. Not because of the gift, but because of who he is. I take, I take it this way with, with, with Gretchen. Ethan's, Ethan's chore is taking out the trash. He doesn't like to do this. Will he do it? Sure. Take out the trash. He takes out the trash. The mom isn't receiving gratitude from that. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. What happens, gratitude is, you know what? I love my mom so much. I love her so much. I'm going to surprise her, and I'm going to take out the trash. I'm going to do something extra for her without her even asking because I love my mom so much. That's gratitude. We love Jesus so much that we're not just doing things because tells us to do them. We do them because we love him. We're indebted to him. We're grateful for everything he's given us, and we want to make him know that we love him for the gift that he lets us hold, the power of the gospel. We preach his strength, his power, his glory, not ourselves. We're just a container. And here's the struggle, I think. We want the life of Jesus, but we want the credit. This is our struggle as a culture. We want all the good that Jesus gives, but we also want to be made known that I'm the person who received all this good gift. And so people see a mixture of the glory of God and the glory of self. What we have to do is we have to see that we have to come to the end of the dependence on ourselves and rest everything on the willingness of God to be at work in us. We want the goodness of Christ, but we want the credit for it. We should not want any fanfare. Everything we do should point to Jesus. Put it this way. Have you, and I'm pretty sure we all have, have you been in a circumstance where no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you cannot seem to get credit or glory for yourself? That's where God wants us. He wants us to be in those places where we are not getting credit. It's exactly where God wants you because out of those times, out of pressures, out of hurts, out of despairs, out of heartaches, out of the sense of not being appreciated enough, you see that God is still working in us. The wonderful ending here says this, verse 17, momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I've read through this one over and over, and this was not even really what I was going to focus on in this message, but the more I think about this, the more wonderful it makes the rest of this passage. Paul's saying momentary light affliction. That's stunning because to Americans, I think a momentary light affliction is some health concerns, is some struggles with work, is some relationship problems. Paul is talking about literally being tortured. He's talking about literally being stoned. He's talking about being shipwrecked, left for dead, abandoned, turned on by all his friends, suffering in great and devastating ways. Paul is calling that momentary light affliction. Here's why. Paul knew exactly what was inside him. Christ himself. The Bible says momentary light affliction, all these things we talked about, is producing something. And it's this, an eternal weight of glory. That's nothing, nothing can compare to it. The more I thought about this eternal weight, the more I had to think about what that means. A weight, something so big, so heavy, so solid, so sure, so trustworthy, so faithful, so pure, so bold, so powerful. Nothing can compare to it. The glory of God. In us, there is no comparison. And if we don't realize the power that's within us, we're missing his grace. We're missing the way he can be spread. And we're diminishing the amazing God who works within us. Man, when people see the gospel in us, it's this weight. It's like, how are they standing? It's because we have an eternal weight of glory that nothing in this world can compare to. Nothing this world can offer is going to hold up to the power of God. We have that in us. The world's going to lose. This culture their pots are going to crack and fall apart. God is going to stand. His people are going to stand. And we have to be passionate about making sure they see this weight of glory that's in us so that they can stand. Stop seeking credit. Stop looking for applause. Stop comparing ourselves to one another. The power is inside us. And it's the same. 
The power inside us is all this eternal weight of glory. And I think the big difference is, are you wanting to have that light shine from you? Are you doing everything you can to not? What do people see in us? We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, the things that are not seen are eternal. It's really good news. You can't lose this weight. You can't have it taken from us. Nobody in this world is going to snatch this from you, this power inside you. It's not going to be stolen. This treasure that is inside us is an eternal treasure. Life is going to be tough. Life is going to be brutally tough. You're going to be in so many situations where it's unfair and it's difficult and it's impossibly hard to imagine how you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it because we have a rock that stands inside of us and it's an eternal rock. So when we're in heaven, we're going to be reminded that the only way we made it through this life because we were just a vessel that contained the glory of God. And for that, we move beyond gratitude into complete awe of who, do, who God is in Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much that we don't need to just give you a polite thank you, that we don't need to just say thank you for the things that you've given us, but we are thankful for who you are, God the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who has given us this treasure in such a seemingly ordinary package. God, we pray that as we hold you, as we wrap our minds and our hearts and our lives around you, that we see that that power within us is impossible to contain. And that the more we are attacked for our faith, the more that we're persecuted, the more that we are hit from every angle and every side in this world, the more that you are going to shine and make yourself known. We want to praise you for that. We want to uh, give you the glory that you deserve for that. And we want to be people who are marked not by this outer shell, but by the hidden power of Christ in us. God, I pray for each person in this room. I thank you for the salvation that you have given I thank you for the hope that you have given. I thank you for all of their hard times they've gone through. And I thank you that they have that which will stand. Lord Jesus, we trust your word. We trust that all of this is producing an eternal weight of glory. And that we are changed because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to our invitation song, uh, my challenge would simply be, Pray in a way in which you focus on what is inside you rather than the outside. Praise God for the fact that he has given you this treasure, even you. And then pray for opportunities for people to go, wait a minute. That's just Dwight. How is that happening? Pray that for yourself. Pray for people to see how can that impossibly amazing thing happen through just them. That way we give and proclaim all the glory to God. So as we sing this song of faith and fellowship, um, it's hymn number 606, I ask that we move beyond gratitude and make that our prayer. The way of the cross leads home. Let's stand as we sing hymn number 606.
Thank you again so much for being here this day. I am humbled and privileged that I was allowed to share a word from the Lord. Keep our pastor in your prayers, and we will keep you uh, abreast of how his recovery is going. I look forward to moving from our Thanksgiving season into Christmas season as we begin to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And so we uh, have many things planned in the next month, and we pray that you would be a part of it as much as possible, and that uh, you would join us as we glorify God in this wonderful season. Let me close us in prayer. Father God, we are grateful people, not just because of uh, what we've received, but because of who you are. We serve a God who is so good and so mighty and so strong that uh, you've given us this treasure. May we go into the world this week uh, looking for ways in which even the hardships can shine your light most clearly. We pray that uh, our congregation would be people so in love with you that more and more people would be caused to to abound in your grace. God, uh, as we go from this place, we pray that uh, all that we do, all our lives, would bring you delight and bring you glory. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.